Well, in this particular this passage, and if you got your Bibles, you can look there. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll, we'll be putting it up on the screen. What was really neat is kind of on, there's, there's multiple things I could have spoke on this morning with, with our kiddos here in there. And, and for all of you that are kiddos in here, we're so stoked you're a part of us. I think one of the things is some churches don't see you as a part of the church and we forget that you're a part of the church. And every once in a while, man, we need to make sure that you're a part of it by bringing you in. So that's why we have you kids here. So we're stoked that you're a part of us this morning. But one of the things that in this is we see Jesus show up in Galilee. And we know that he's in Galilee because it says in there that John the Baptist, he'd been arrested and the circumstances were that Jesus went to Galilee. But listen to me. He then quotes Isaiah to remind us that in spite of our circumstances, God is in absolute control. It was a fulfillment of an Old Testament passage and there's all kinds of details to it, but just the bottom line of it is, oftentimes we feel like our circumstances are happenstance, but our circumstances are never outside of God's control. In spite of sin, in spite of destruction, in spite of everything that's going on, our God is in control of all things. So I could have spoke on that. That would have been really good, by the way. I think the other part of it that's really cool is he talks about what Jesus is going to start to do. And even in light of what we're talking about with disability, is that Jesus Christ, if you caught that, who was around him, it it, it was people that were definitely abled differently, but there was also the disability. You could not go with Jesus anywhere without seeing that was a huge heart for him. And so I could have kind of brought that out a little bit more, but that's not where I'm going to go either this morning because we're going to have plenty of time to look at that as we go through the book of Matthew. The place that I want to go to this morning is in verse 17 where it talks about this idea that Jesus started to preach and he went back to John the Baptist's message all the way back in Matthew 3 and he just said this word, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that word repent is very important. Now, sometimes when we think about the word repent, we have a negative maybe connotation within our mind. So what I want to do actually is tell you about this story that is actually going on here. And I'm going to use Luke 5 to kind of pull it out a little bit more because Matthew just kind of gets to the point and he keeps rolling. But Luke 10, he tells the story of what was going on and why it is Peter repented and what were all the different things that were going on. But it's a literal illustration of a guy that encounters King Jesus And he falls to his knees in front of the king and he repents. Now in this story, just so you know this, Jesus, kind of in Luke 5, to kind of fill in the gaps of what Matthew doesn't tell us, Jesus was walking along the sea, it says, and there were all kinds of crowds around him. He finds two boats. And when he sees these two boats, he walks up to one of the guys, which happens to be Peter, who we're going to find out a little bit, had been hanging around Jesus a little bit. And he says, hey, I'd like you to put me on my boat, on your boat, and I want you to take me a little bit because I got some things to say to the people. Well, Peter kind of gets the idea of who he is a little bit. And he's like, all right, you know, jump on my boat. I'll take you out a little ways. He takes him out a little ways from shore. And it says, Jesus starts to preach to the people. And we don't know the outcome. We don't know if there was a revival. We don't know if people rejected him. We don't know what happened. But we do know that after he was done speaking, they went back into shore and they were all kind of mending their nets, getting them cleaned up from what had taken place the night before. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at Peter And he says, Peter, I got an idea. I think what we ought to do is we ought to go out a little ways into the deep stuff. And you're going to let out your net. And when you let out your net, I want you to catch fish. 
Now for Peter, though, he was a little confused because the night before, he'd been staying up all night fishing. And in all of that fishing, it says he caught nothing. Now, if you can just imagine, if you came up and said to me, hey, man, let's go fishing, and I'd caught nothing. That's happened to me many times before where I've gone fishing, and I catch nothing. If some dude all of a sudden walks up to me and says, no, 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 let's go to my spot. Trust me, we're going to catch fish. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm tired. But Peter, he agrees, and he says, okay, and he even calls him master. And he says, all right, we'll go do this. Now, why does he call him master? See, in this story, all of a sudden we find these guys going to follow Jesus and we think, dang, that was fast. Jesus just says, follow me and off they go. But we miss the fact that actually Peter had been following him around for about a year. He'd kind of been watching Jesus from a distance. In John 1, he found out that he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then we find out in in Luke 4 that he's casting like demons out of people. And even what's so crazy is we find out in Luke 4 that Jesus heals Peter's mom. And so somewhere in there, Peter's like, look, if John the Baptist says you're pretty incredible, I'm watching you cast out demons. I'm watching you heal my mother-in-law. All right, master, if you say so, I'll go out and do it. So he gets in the boat and it says they threw their nets in. And the idea is as soon as their nets went in, it says the fish just begin to fill their net. They began to fill it so much that the boat was actually starting to, it says, collapse. And not only collapse, but starting to go under. So Peter has to call to James and John and say, hey, you got to come out here. You got to help us, man. There's too many fish. This is crazy. And as they go in, both the boats have so much fish that by the time they finally make it, they didn't think they were going to last because they thought for sure that the boats would go under And in that moment, suddenly, Peter, it hits. This Jesus, he's not normal. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is the one that threw the demon out of a person. He is the one that healed my my mother-in-law. And now at this very moment, he doesn't show up for everyone else. He showed up for me. And it says in that moment that Peter just fell to his knees because he saw Jesus for who he was. And let me just tell you this, is that anyone that ever encounters Jesus, I would say encounters him in the same way. We encounter this Jesus that no matter how big we think he is, he is bigger. And no matter how maybe great we think we are or how wonderful we think we are, we realize, oh, we're not in front of him. And I would even say this, one of the greatest things that we can do as apprentices of Jesus is constantly place ourselves in front of him because when we place ourselves in front of him, we realize just how great and how big he is. We get an accurate picture of him, but we also get an accurate picture of ourselves. And it says in there that Peter said to him, oh Lord, you you need to get away from me. I am, he calls himself, a sinful man. You need to get away from me. Now, this always happens throughout the Bible. Anybody who ever encounters God goes, okay, you got to get away from me. I got to get away from you. This isn't right. But what's so amazing in this is the first thing that he tells him, like God always has told people that encounter him, don't be afraid, Peter. 
And this is where we hear it in Matthew. He said, Peter, you don't understand this. No, come to me, be with me because I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come follow me and be near me. And somewhere in there, it made sense to Peter. It made sense to John. It made sense to Andrew. It made sense to James. And they said, in light of everything that's taken place, We'll follow you. And they didn't just follow. It says they left their nets and even left dad. I mean, if I would have left my dad with work to do, I would have been in huge trouble. But they left and it says they followed Jesus. Now, here's what's so cool about it. That's actually a picture of what it means to repent. Now, what I'm going to do is, is in this room, I've got some signs. And so if you've got a sign that I gave to you right now, just hold it up. Hold up all the signs, okay? And so when I ask you to, you're going to hold it up and you're going to make sure everybody sees it and you can actually even stand on chairs and you won't get in trouble, or at least from me, but you'll be able to stand on chairs because everyone sees it. Now what we're going to do is, is I'm going to show you this amazing thing called repentance that Peter went through, that not only when we have an initial act of it, but also something that's supposed to be an ongoing reality of our life. So somebody got up on the chair. Who is that? Oh, Josie, come on, girl. You're not afraid. That's right. All right, so now everybody that signs, you can put them back down again. Here's what we're going to do. Whenever we hear the word repent, this is oftentimes I think what we think, is the guy that stands in the football game and yells, repent, 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 or the guy on the, the loudspeaker screaming at us, repent, repent, repent. But this word repent is actually a very common word that's going to come throughout the book of Matthew. In fact, if you remember right, I had my bag full of things and this is one of the things that Jesus is going to load into the bag. He's going to teach us something about this thing called repentance because it's not just a one-time thing. It's something he wants us to do all of our lives, but there's some ways in which we're supposed to do repentance and there's some ways in which we're not. But let me just tell you this. Well, that's great that, you know, the word signs, some of these signs up there are terrible. Uh, we shouldn't do some of those signs. But actually this idea of repent is very important. Now, to repent, it just means to completely change your mind and purpose and life dreams, goals, desires, etc., and turn. That's the idea. Turn to something greater. In other words, we see what we've been and we see where God wants us to go and we're going to turn to it. We make an about face. It's a thought through. We, we go from our heart. We turn away from our past with me in charge to a future with King Jesus ruling over our life. So I turn from me ruling over my life and messing things up royally to follow Jesus and to learn his ways and how I'm supposed to walk with him. That's repentance. But the first thing that we have to see out of this story was is that we need to pay attention. Where's my pay attention sign? All right, come on. Hold it up. Hold it up, please. Oh, he's not going to hold it up. Mom and dad will. Look at that. All right. Thanks, mom and dad. Pay attention. Here's one of the first aspects of repentance. If we're going to know how to turn and follow Jesus is that we need to pay attention. Now, does everybody know what this is? Google Maps. So the other day I was supposed to go pick up one of my kids from school over in the valley. And I get into my car and I thought, oh, I know where I'm going. And I just got in, and I'm like every other maybe male that's out there. I get in, I start driving, and I get down, and I'm making all these different turns. And next thing I know, I'm somewhere between Pacoima, Sun Valley. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm thinking to myself, you know what? My white Volvo shouldn't be here. And so I just am like driving around, and finally, 
I grab my, my phone and I look down at it and I realize I'm in trouble and I look on the map and it says, yep, you're in Sun Valley. <laughs> Why? Because I wasn't paying attention. I did not know where I was going and suddenly in that moment, I knew I was lost. Now in this case, what Peter is doing though, all throughout this moment is, is he was paying attention. He was seeing Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was paying attention and seeing these people that have been, that Jesus had healed from demons and he saw his mom healed, is that one of the key aspects of repentance is the idea that we always need to pay attention. And I would even say this, one of the main reasons that we fall and we have to repent is because we haven't been paying attention. Now, what are some of the ways that we're asked to pay attention within the Bible? Well, one is God's spirit. God's spirit is one of those things that comes along. He's one of those things, comes along and reminds us of what's important. God's word reminds us, right now I'm in the middle of the minor prophets. I've been doing a lot of repentance. You can't read the minor prophets without doing a lot of repentance and seeing myself. God's people are there as ones that cause us to pay attention, to, to, to wake up. But there's another side of this, which is prayer, which I've been lately in, in Colossians. And in chapter 4, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And look at that word, being watchful. That's the idea. Pay attention. Pay attention. And so in this, this is very important, the first act of repentance is this idea of making sure that you pay attention. All right, has everybody got it? So can you hold up the sign again? Everybody's going to repeat with me. What's the first aspect of it? Paying attention. Good. We're going to pay attention. Now here's the second aspect, and hopefully a parent doesn't have to do this one. Who's got surrender? Who's got surrender? Yes, you're on the chair. Surrender. Okay, hold up higher. Yes, okay, surrender. That's going to be our next aspect. Is that in repentance, not only do we need to pay attention, but there's this place in which we have to stop and throw up our hands. Now, we see this with Peter in this particular case, and you're going to see it kind of out throughout the book of Matthew, where he fell down on his knees. Now, we tend not to fall down on our knees. In other words, you know, when my children have the audacity to not do what their dad tells them to do, they don't come in and go at my knees, Father, please forgive me. Though that would really help children if you're in here. <laughs> but the, the idea behind this is when we talk about this idea of surrender is that we stop and we see things for what they are. To surrender is to stop and to see things accurately. So in this particular case, he sees Jesus accurately and he sees himself accurately and he just stops. Now for me, when I had my, my phone, I finally realized I was somewhere again in the middle of Sun Valley and I stopped and I pulled over and I realized Google is greater than Todd. <laughs> and I just stopped. Now I think with surrender, this is really important because I'll say this, if you keep moving in the direction towards your sin and you don't stop, you're going to by nature keep moving that direction. It's important that we just stop. 
and we stop and we realize who Jesus is and we realize who we are. That's the big key there. And so let me walk through these again. The first ones, pay attention. Hold your sign up. You need to get with it. Okay, pay attention. Second one is surrender. Okay, now we're going to say them again. First one. Second one. Good. Okay, let's do the third one. Who's got the third one? Confess. Good. I gave that one to you. I gave that one to you boys because your moms told me to. Uh-huh. Okay. You can sit down now. You can sit down. That was a little too good. Now in this, again, not only do we see Peter paying attention, and not only do we see him now stopping and realizing who he is, there's this third aspect where he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. In other words, there's telling the truth. Now had my wife been with me in the car that day when I had my little Google phone, she would have looked at me and said, I told you just to use Google phone. And then I would have had to look back at my wife and I would have said, yes, dear, you are correct. You would have told me to do that. In other words, I would have had to tell the truth. Now confession, what it is, is just telling the truth. It's being honest. In fact, I would say this, one of the main reasons that we struggle with repentance is that we're not honest about our situation and honest about what took place and honest that we're lost. And the beauty is, is the Bible calls us to on a regular basis to confess our sins. You'll see this like in 1 John 9, if we confess our sins, and we'll get to the the second part of it here in just a little bit. But we need to, and the idea is, is we need to tell the truth. So, okay, here we go. First one. Second one. Third one. And the fourth one. Who's got leaf behind? Oh, you got to get up on your chair. boy. And your dad didn't even have to pinch you to do it. That was awesome. Okay. Everybody say, leave behind. Okay. Now, well, here's what we mean by leave behind. When Peter, on this instance, immediately he says he left his nets and followed him. But also we see this, these other guys, James and John, they left their boat and their father and they followed him. Now, sometimes repentance is definitely from things like sin, but sometimes God calls us even to leave good things. Meaning the area of town that I was in, man, I'm not going to lie to you, I looked around and there was a taco stand right over there that I'm thinking, this is a good neighborhood. And everything in me wanted to stop for tacos, but I knew I needed to get over and I needed to pick up my son. And I needed to leave the tacos behind, even though I didn't want to leave the tacos behind. And I wanted to go pick up my son, but the whole idea is, and here's where turn comes in, to repent means I'm going to turn away from something to go to something that is greater and better. Now, the way that we're going to see this is, is you see this with the guys in that they're going to leave behind things like careers. And again, careers are good. Not everybody was asked to leave their career during the book in the, in the gospel of Matthew. They're going to be asked to leave their positions. They're even going to be asked to leave their family, friends, their possessions, comfort, safety, themselves, and definitely sin and kind of the results of sin. Jesus is going to say, turn away from those things. But the whole idea is, is that in order to follow Jesus, I sometimes have to turn away definitely from negative things, things like sin that's absolutely awful. But sometimes I even have to turn away from from good things to follow Jesus. But in this, here's the big thing that we learn. 
Anytime we turn away from something, we're saying, I'm not the king, but Jesus is. Jesus, whatever you want me to turn away from, I will turn away from, or even I will turn, more importantly, we're going to learn towards something greater. So let's go through this. First one. Paying attention. Third one. Wait, where's surrender? Oh, come on. Stand up. Now spin around. Make you spin around for not doing your job. Okay. The next one. Surrender. Then. Hey, you're upside down. By the way, those are two, both those two boys are children of elders. Obviously, they don't know up and down. Okay, confess and leave behind. Oh, come on, dude. Yeah! Okay, the last one. Leave behind. Okay, so those are all that have been put together. Here's the third, here's the, the second to last one is receive. All right, who's got receive? You guys, see, these are also um, sons of uh, elders, and they do it rightly. Okay, the next one is receive. Everybody say receive. receive. Okay. Now, this is what's really cool, is Jesus doesn't just ask them to turn away from something. He's going to ask them to turn towards something. Now, what does he ask them to turn towards? Does anybody see it? Who? Him. Now, here's the key thing about this. Oftentimes, God doesn't tell us where we're going, okay? That's really important. God oftentimes doesn't tell us where we're going, but he tells us who we're going with. And there is something so powerful about when you run into Jesus and you encounter him for who he really is, that you will never be the same. And I've talked about this before, but for Peter, when Peter encountered Jesus suddenly to be with him, he didn't care where Jesus wanted him to go. Jesus is walking on water, right? We're going to learn about that. And he looks at Jesus and says, hey, tell me to come to you. And Jesus, I mean, all right, Peter, come to me. He didn't at first care about the water. He saw who? Jesus. When he says to the guys, hey, who do people say that I am? You know, John the Baptist, some of you say you're, 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 you're this or that. He says, but who do you say I am? And Peter looks right at him and he says, you're son of the living God. You are the king, the Christ, the one that we've longed for. Even in the garden, remember that part where like all the, the praetorian guard comes out to get him and like Peter pulls out his, his, his switchblade, you know, and he's going to rumble with them in some way and cuts off the guy's ear. Jesus puts it back on. Peter oftentimes didn't care where he was going, but he knew who he was with. The most important thing in all of this idea of repentance is not the different acts. Those acts are important. But the most crucial point of it is the me there, Jesus. When we talk about this idea of receiving then, it's not just receiving Christ. See, what they got was definitely Christ, but you're going to learn that we're also going to get heaven's treasure in 512 and 620. You're going to learn about the pearl of great price and the treasure in the field in 1344. You're going to look at this idea that the fact that they're going to, what they're going to lose is nothing in comparison to Jesus in 1929, is that if we make repentance only about what we're turning away and not what we're turning towards, Repentance becomes trudgery, but when repentance is giving up what is lesser to embrace what is greater, oh, life changes completely, and the greater is always Jesus. 
That's just the passage that's talked about is this hundredfold idea. All right, so where's the first one? Pay attention. Second one. Surrender. Third one. Now it's sideways. Fourth one. Where's leave behind? Leave behind. Much better. You did good. All right, next one. Receive. Receive. Sorry. Follow Jesus. Who's got to follow Jesus? Oh, higher. Higher. Oh, I thought you were going to fall. <laughs> nice part is you can't sue the church because your dad works here. Okay, good. Follow Jesus. Now, let me, let, me just, let me just finish this way. The last one is follow Jesus. Now, on one end, we've talked about this act that starts to take place where we turn from here to here, and the whole goal is who we're following. We're following Jesus. Now, in it, he says to them, though, I'm going to do something special in your life. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, this idea of repentance is, is that I leave who I was to become who God intends me to be. And the more that I'm around Jesus, the more I become the person that God intends me to be. You're going to see this all throughout the book of Matthew, that these guys that start out with him and these women that are around him, they start to follow him. And in some ways, they're kind of working through issues at the front end and as they kind of work along throughout life. But all of a sudden, at the very end, when the Holy Spirit comes into their life and acts, this group of people becomes who God intends them to be. See, the whole outcome is at this is that I don't just now turn and go walk away from my sin or walk away from some different things, but I walk towards who God intends me to be and he intends me to look more and more and more like his son, Jesus. Now, let me walk through these things again. First one, pay attention. Second one, surrender. Third one. Lord, I just want to pray their parents do better. <laughs> Next one, leave behind. Good. Next one, receive. You see, you're the good kids in this family. The next one, follow Jesus. Okay, good. Now, those are the acts that we're going to, now what you're going to see is, and this is important, the rest of the way through Matthew, you're going to see this pattern. There's going to be this pattern that we're going to watch over and over again. But the key aspect of it is, is that it's important to apprenticing with Jesus. Now, all you kids in here, let me say this. You guys did awesome today. You guys did absolutely awesome. Now, let me see if I can apply this just a little bit, though, to myself, kind of as we get ready to leave and we, we're going to have something special. We were talking about disability, and one of the things that I ran into as I was reading through the Gospels a few years ago is I couldn't get over the fact how much Jesus was around people with disabilities. And then I looked around Cornerstone. Again, I, I love Cornerstone. I've always told you this. I love our family, but it hit me. Either we have families with, with people within them that have disabilities that aren't here, or we're not doing a very good job of getting out there and making sure that we're a church that's welcoming to those with disabilities. And again, not just that they'll come show up, but that they will see themselves as a crucial part of what we're doing to turn and learn who God's created them to be. Well, in that process, again, if you think through it, I had to surrender. I had to stop. I had to put myself in front of God and go, oh, God... 
Jesus, if King Jesus was there and I'm not, what that means is I need to confess to you, we're not right. I think there's another part about it was, is then what Gene was kind of talking about, what Ryan was talking about, was some of the things we have to leave behind is we have to leave behind the idea that we don't need to figure out how to knock down those barriers of keeping people not only away from Cornerstone, but more importantly, keeping people away from what Jesus talked about himself. I think there's another side of it, though, that comes along with it. That means we have to then leave behind the way we've thought through things. But I think then there's a side of it embracing what it means to follow Jesus, which is realizing that every single person, I don't care who they are, is created in the image of God. And believing that so wholeheartedly that our church is insufficient. We are not the church that we need to be if we don't have people of all different kinds of abilities within our church as the means of displaying to our world accurately who God is. And so it is our privilege, let me just say this, not only do we want to have someone like Jean who helps engage us to facilitate, but I would say this, it's not just her heart, it needs to be all of our heart. It needs to be an entire church's heart to say, what does Cornerstone need to do to knock down those barriers so that it doesn't matter a person's ability, they have access, again, not just to Cornerstone, but most importantly, access to Jesus so that they might become the person God intends them to be.